Hi there. Welcome to the first of our Can You Relate sermon series at Hunter Christian Church. As you can see, I am not able to be there with you in the building uh, because I am at home. You may be wondering why are you at home and not with us? Well, during the week, Ali and I had a bit of a fight and I said to her, look, if you're going to be at church, I don't want to be there. So um, that's why we're like this. Actually, you know that's not true. Um, this week I have had COVID and I am re I'm, I'm much better. Um, I may not sound that great, but I'm actually feeling so much better than I did earlier this week. So that's where I'm here. And so I want to give a special hello to all those that are like me and at home and watching from at home. Um, we are all missing uh, the experience at church and I'm sure we'll get back to there as soon as we can. So now, both Ali and I have been really looking forward to doing this series with you guys on this topic of relationships, but we are a little bit nervous about it because look, we have never really done this format for a number of weeks before. And so both of us have very different styles of preparing and preaching and communicating. And so this could either be a great series of messages or it could just be a one-off. And next week we're gonna go back to something a bit more normal. But uh, anyway, I'm sure it'll be fine. So I wanna start by stating the obvious. We are living in an increasingly disconnected and dysfunctional society. With all the technology that's around, that's meant to be bringing us together, it seems that we're moving further apart relationally. You know, according to Facebook, I have 596 friends. There you go. Um, now, not that it's a competition, but Ali has 798 friends. Um, and so, friends, I don't know how many friends you've got, but Facebook defines friendship as this. It says, friending on Facebook helps you stay connected with people you care about. I'll say that again. Friending on Facebook helps you, helps you keep connected with people you care about. To be honest, out of my 596 friends, I'm not too sure I care about all of them. Now, now many of them do, and if you're watching this video or listening to it, and you're on my Facebook friend, you are one of the ones I really do care about. Um, but most of those friends on Facebook are connections I've had at some time in my life's journey from, from school or um, university or from the different churches I've attended or been part of or the different clubs and the different things I've done. And so, um, so friends, according to Facebook, are quite an arbitrary measurement of, of your relational connectivity. So maybe you're here today and your Facebook friend is not a count is either much higher than ours, which wouldn't surprise us, but maybe you're here and your Facebook count, uh, friend count is quite low or even non-existent. Well, I've got some great news for you. You know, in Japan, you can hire a friend. It's a rent-a-friend business, and for $140, you can, let me read it from their website for you. It says, for $140 Australian, you, it says, I don't have any friends who can shop or spend time with me. I want a friend who wants to consult about love because I don't have any real friends to talk to. So $140, you can find a friend just to do that. Or maybe for $90, you can get a karaoke friend who says, I want to go to karaoke with someone who sings my favorite songs well. So I know many of you are thinking, wow, I never knew this existed. This would change your life. Um, here's one that may change your life. For $160, you can rent a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Uh, their website says it is a rental lover service that can be used in various ways, such as renting the role of a boyfriend or girlfriend to introduce a lover to parents, a park date while holding hands, and delivering it to the workplace as a handmade lunchbox 
style to appeal to your lover. And so um, there you go. Who would have ever thought that? Now, there's one more I want to talk about. And we might say some more over the next few weeks. But this one is probably important because, well, we've got some people uh, in our church family who are running a marathon uh, this weekend. So for $110, this, you, you guys know who I'm talking to. Uh, it says, $110, I want someone to happily... Yeah, I want someone to run happily and sweating together. I was going to run on a diet, but it doesn't last long. So you for $110, you can have your own uh, cheer squad running a marathon with you. Now, now you may be thinking, that's just a joke. This isn't real. But I tell you, this is real. Here's over 800 people on staff this website. In fact, the founder of this business says he, he believes that in an increasingly isolated and entitled society, it helps people cope with the unbearable absences or perceived deficiencies in their lives. Now, as I said, you might be thinking, well, that's just Japan and they do things a bit differently. There's another another website, which is actually called rentafriend.com. And uh, it's, I'll, I'll read it what it says. It says, it, rentafriend.com is a website that allows you to rent local friends from all over the world. You can rent a local friend to hang out with, go to a movie or a restaurant with, or someone to go to a party with or an event. Rent a friend to teach you a new skill or hobby or to show you around an unfamiliar town. It makes it very clear. It goes, Rent a Friend is a strictly platonic friendship website. Rent a Friend is not a dating website and not an escort agency. Services on Rent a Friend are strictly for friendship purposes only. So I know this, whoever thought this would exist. You may be thinking, well, that's just another website over the world somewhere. I did some research on this and do you know in Sydney, on the rentafriend.com website, 560 friends. People have registered to be a friend to someone on the website to get, obviously get paid for it. The cost is uh, from, from 10 to $15 an hour. Uh, sorry, $15 to $20 an hour. Uh, and Sydney, but even in Newcastle, we have 50 people in Newcastle that have registered on this rentafriend.com website to be friends. And so uh, I want you to look around the church for a bit. Can you see anyone new, any visitors with us today? Well, you know who those visitors are? I paid them to be here and they are one of the rentafriend.com of, um, agency people. So, actually, they're not. So if you are visiting, I'm so sorry that everyone looked at you and pointed and laughed. We really value that you're with us. I was just talking about renting friends. All of this shows us that people in the, across the world are looking for connection, but they're not really sure how to be connected with people. And so uh, it could be because they don't know how to do it well. Uh, it could be that over time they've been damaged through different relationships. And so, uh, so they'd rather just outsource their friendships to people that, that just cost them some money, but it doesn't cost them any relational uh, energy. And so, um, so we just don't know often what to do with friends. And so especially when things get difficult or hard um, or complicated, it's, it might be easy just to rent someone to help out. We live in a throwaway society. When something gets broken, it's much easier for us just to throw it away. And when something gets really costly to maintain, we just get a new one. And we can easily apply that mindset to our relationships and friendships. And so instead of working toward healing or restoration or reconciliation, it's easy for us to give up because it's too hard. It's maybe too painful. And so what we do, we just want to discard that relationship, discard that friendship, and just move on. And I guess the last two years has really highlighted us this to, to myself as we look across our nation and our society. It seems we become more, more polarized, more divided, more opinionated, and more intolerant toward one another.
than we were two years ago. It seems I've, I've seen that in our, across our nation. Uh, I've seen that occur in families. I've even seen that occur in churches. And sadly, what I've seen is that people are, are willing or thinking about discarding uh, relationships that they value. And, and I've seen that happen. And why do they want to do that? But you know, because it's hard, because it's painful perhaps. And so I'm so grateful that God doesn't discard me. You know, um, when I mess up, which I do more often than you would like to think about your pastor. When I let him down, uh, and that happens a lot, uh, time and time again. Now, God does not discard me. He doesn't get sick of me and frustrated with me and go, you know what, I'm just going to get rid of Mark and get someone else. Um, but often we think that. Often we, we, we think that that's how God treats us because that's how we think about our relationships. And so I think it's wonderful that God uh, come, is available to me uh, whenever I need him for his forgiveness and peace and patience and grace. And so uh, as we do this series this morning, I know that a lot of people are looking forward to the series. They've, they've emailed us. And so uh, and a bunch of you are going, I can't wait to, to go through this. Um, others, I, I, I can expect that others in our church or online are a little bit unsure about this series. The, the idea of talking about relationships can be incredibly challenging for some people. Maybe it's a reminder of their failure or their disappointments or their, their wounds or their regrets. Maybe it highlights situations or circumstances for them or for you uh, that are particularly fragile or tender and painful. And so uh, our, our prayer is that no matter where you are in this, this journey uh, of, of relationship, that this series will be helpful to you. You know, I want to start this message with a very clear statement. And it's something which I'm going to keep saying time and time again. You were created for great relationships. And so, so you say that with me all together. Say, I say, say, say mm, how do we do this? Say, say, I am created for great relationships. That was awkward, wasn't it? Anyway, we'll move on. Um, our goal in this series is to give you some practical tools, some encouragement and some hope, uh, maybe some ideas that, that can help each one of us as we journey through life in relationship with so many different people around us. With all those, if I need some help with those 596 friends that I have, uh, I'm sure you could probably benefit with some help also. So uh, let's, I want to do a quick thing before we move too far forward. Uh, when I say the word relationship, where does your mind go? What do you think about when I say that word? Uh, I would expect most of you would think, um, okay, relationship, uh, mom or the husband and wife or uh, boyfriend, girlfriend. And that's typically what we think about when we do relationships. But let me tell you, our, this, what we're covering over these weeks is far bigger, much bigger than just the romantic relationships that I've just mentioned. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary defines a relationship like this. It is the way in which two or more people or things are connected or the state of being connected. And so for the purpose of this series, I'd like, we'd like to define relationships like this. Relationships are how we connect and interact with those around us. Relationships are how we connect and interact with those around us. Because we all connect and interact with people. Unless you're a hermit living in a cave, um, I guess uh, you'll, you'll be fine. In fact, if you are, you're probably not watching this, so you don't need any tips on relationship. But we've all, we've all got relationships at, at, at home, at school, at work, uh, at the coffee 
club, um, in, in, in your book club, in your travel group, in, in the, the people you just hang out with and run with. You know, we've all, soccer, hey, and uh, our, did you know our church has got a um, couple of soccer teams? They haven't really played that much because of the rain, but I know the girls team and the guys team have both won uh, in their games. And so, um, moving back to this, and so, where am I up to? We all connect to people, all different relationships with different people. And uh, we believe what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is going to be really helpful. We've been praying for this and beneficial for you in whatever relationship you're trying to navigate through. So I want to point out that Ali and I aren't relationship experts. Uh, We haven't got it all worked out. We are students of life along with you. We have had difficult times at home, in our marriage, with our kids, at work, at church, at school, with our friends, with our families of origins. We've all got, we've all had relational difficulty, we have, in those spaces. Um, we, are, we have relational wreckage in our history. But we are trying to work toward living emotionally and relationally healthy lives with God's help. Uh, with God's help and God's grace and people who have been gracious and kind toward us uh, have really helped us as we journey toward getting better at that. So not only are we a work in progress, I'm talking Ali and myself, um, we've been, been in ministry for almost 25 years. We've had the front row seat of watching people work through their own uh, relational junkyards. Uh, we've seen all sorts of problems. You, you name it, we've seen it. Uh, all sorts of brokenness, all sorts of mess, all sorts of mistakes, all sorts of stupidity. Um, we've seen some great successes in, as people have, have um, found restoration and healing in relationship, but we've also seen people who've said this is too hard and they've just walked away. And you know what? That's very sad, but I can understand the pain in those spaces. And so, um, so hopefully these next few weeks are going to help us all walk together to a healthier uh, journey in relationships. Because why? Because we were all created for great relationships. So let's go to the Bible. That's a good thing we're going to do. Um, let's go back to the beginning. So because in the beginning we discover that God created us to be relational beings. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and, and 27. Uh, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so this is the creation account, obviously. Uh, and if you were to read through the chapter chapter 1 in Genesis, you'll see every time that God created something, the, the sun, or the light, and sun, and moon, and land, and sky, and birds, and, and, and all the rest, every time he created something, the Bible tells us that God looked and saw that it was good. And so... Um, it's a big surprise when we come to Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 then. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Effectively, God looks at all his creation and he looks at the man that he created and he said, This human needs another human. And so what we discover is that chapter 1 shows us that we were created for relationship with God, to enjoy relationship with God, also enjoy relationship with the world he places us in. Chapter 2 shows us that we were um, created to enjoy relationship with, other, with others. And that's the subtext for our series. 
we are created for great relationships. For us to live in life-giving, healthy relationships, yes with God, but also with those around us. But something happened in the Garden of Eden that messed this whole plan up. In the next chapter, chapter 3 in Genesis, the enemy comes along and he starts to uh, disassemble man's relationship with God and man's relationship with each other. Adam and Eve eat a, a piece of fruit uh, that ultimately God told them not to eat. And effectively it all went downhill from there. Their relationship with God and their relationship with one another was smashed. Now, you, you, you may be thinking about how you grew up and, and your own family and you might be thinking, well, my family was pretty messed up. My family was dysfunctional. Anyone here, don't, don't put your hand up, especially if you're my family, do not put your hand up because um, I'm watching you. Anyway, you might be thinking you had a dysfunctional family. Well, let me tell you, the first family didn't do so well either. Because in the beginning, we discover sin and stubbornness and a desire for self uh, created a deep rift uh, in the relationship between God and mankind. It, it created a deep fracture that affected all humanity. It, it broke the relationship between the vertical relationship between God and man, but it also smashed and created a fracture between mankind and one another. And that rift and that fracture has extended throughout the, the, the millennia. And we believe that it's only, those fractures are something only Jesus can repair. It's only through Jesus that we can truly experience healing and restoration in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. I want to say that again, because I think all of us believe that, don't we? We all believe that it, it is only through Jesus that we can truly experience healing and restoration in our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with others. So, so we all believe that. But in our experience, as said, over 25 years in ministry, our experience is that whilst we believe this idea, we, most of us, don't have any understanding or little understanding on how we've got a part to play to see our broken and fractured relationships restored. How we can see the wounded relationships that, that maybe we've had a part to play in creating, how, that's, how we can see that healed. It starts with us. It's not about, it starts with, not, not, not us as corporately, I'm saying it starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with me not trying to fix the other person. It starts with me trying not to make the other person believe or think or behave the way I think they should. And so it starts with me. It starts with you. And so this is what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Um, because it's so important that we resolve and, and deal with these fractures and this, this brokenness that is, uh, that is in our lives on, in many different spaces. So... Before I get Ali up to, uh, to take over and, and maybe rescue me from this message, uh, we've established that God created us for what? Great relationships. Now, the challenge we have is that if we were to pause and have an honest look at our relationships, whether it's our, our, our relationship with our mum or our dad or our brothers or sisters or our husband or wife or boyfriend and girlfriend or the people at work, or you, I don't want to go through them all. You, 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 you put your own thing in there. But if you had an honest look at some of those key relationships, you know, some of them may not be that great. I'm, I'm not saying that they're bad, or some of them may be really bad. Um, but, but you might have relationships that are, are not bad, but you know what? They're not as fulfilling as they could be. So what do we do? Um, firstly, I want to encourage you to fight the urge to discard it. Fight the urge to give up. 
the tendency that we have is to avoid it. Thinking, you know what, I can't do anything about this. I mean, this relationship has been fractured and broken and messed up for weeks or months or for even years and I can't do anything about it. So sure, I'll, I'll pray uh, for that person and uh, but if I see them at church uh, or, or at the shops, I'm going to avoid them. You know, I'm sure you've done, I've, I've done that. Um, I'm sure you've done that too. Not because you don't like the person, it's just that, that there's a relational brokenness that you don't really have the capacity or the skills to deal with. And so the problem is when we, when we avoid the relationships, we are missing out on finding God's grace and God's healing and God's beauty that, that comes about when, he, when relationships are restored. So the first thing we want to explore today is uh, really an important foundation for everything else we're going to talk about. And so um, when we have those honest looks at our relationships, the reality is we do, not have, I, we do not have power over that person. We do not have power over the circumstance that we find ourselves in. We don't have power over the, the outcomes that we're hoping to achieve. Uh, and it, quite, it can be quite daunting to, to wonder how on earth am I going to fix this? There, there are times when it comes relationally, we feel crippled, we feel fearful, we feel afraid, we feel hopeless, we feel powerless. How do I know that? Because I've been there. There's, there's, there's things that come up when you think about some of these relationships and you go, oh, I, just, I just feel so powerless in that space. And this is where God's truth and God's word can be so helpful with his truth and perspective. In, uh, in Paul's final letter that he wrote, he, he wrote to Timothy and he reflects on the challenges that he was facing. He was abandoned by his friends. He was assaulted by his foes. He was alone and facing death in Roman prison. This is where Paul was. And, and Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7. I'm sure you know this one. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Your Bible may use slightly different words. The, the word here is, it's not a matter of, of God giving us a spirit or a special power or, or a special thing. Uh, they're, not, they're not extra thing God gives us. Paul here is referring to the work of the Holy Spirit in Timothy's life. Paul is showing us, along with the rest of this, this passage, which we don't have time to look into, Paul is saying when the Holy Spirit is at work in us, when we allow God's Spirit to work in us, then we can be fearless, we can be bold, we can be powerful, we can be loving, and we can be in control. Not in control of the other person, we can be in control of our thoughts, our actions, and our behaviors. And that we believe that if we can take a, if we can understand the, the work of the Holy Spirit in us, the, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if we can understand the power God gives us through His Spirit and understand that we also are not powerless, that we are powerful people and able to uh, control and manage ourselves, that's one of the first things we're going to discover is the key to having a great relationship. So that's it for me. I'm going to hand over to Ali and I know that you're going to uh, enjoy this next part of the message. God bless you. I can't wait to see you guys next week in person in the church. Bye. All right. I just want to let you know that we have some books available over these few weeks because um, we want to resource you. We've read a lot of books on this preparing and we found some really good ones. So we've got them for sale up there. 
I have included Says McCutcheon's book. Says I finished it this week. It, 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 it's such an easy read. I only started it this week and I finished it. So good. She has just got an incredible thinking mind for um, relationships within the church and without, but just relationships in general. Very good book. So I highly recommend that. We have it up there. You can also get it on ebook if you need to. So I just do want to thank Pat Borley because she has organised the whole bookstore and also Estella is helping her if you need help later. I do want to just give a nod to this book quickly. You guys may have, know all about it, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Um, who's read this already? Lots of people. Yeah, well, a few. If I recommend you just read it again, actually, because I read part of it afresh and went, oh my goodness, I didn't know that about myself. And so um, it actually helped me. Is someone doing something with the lights? <laughs> Oh, you can see me now. Sorry. Um, yeah, so, yes, I learned something about myself in rereading that and it actually helped with one of the relationships in our household and I'm thankful for that. As I want to reiterate what Mark said, we are not relationship specialists, but I am passionate about it because I think when you... Have you ever heard that thing that... Um, the, the thing the devil wants to take you out with, like he tries to take you out with something, you just grab that thing and fix it and beat him up with it, you know? And I feel like that I came from a very dysfunctional home and um, I didn't get taught about boundaries or relationships or anything like that and so I kind of had to, you know, learn it as I go and I tell you what, I've never had a difficult conversation that turned out badly. It, I've, it's always been good on the other side of it but we're not talking about difficult conversations today. I want to actually talk about a very interesting point that comes from this book here, which is Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. And now some of our small groups, I think, have done a bit of a study with this. And um, it's a really good book, and it is all about connection, a relational connection. Now, there is a bit of marriage stuff in there, but it just generally is good stuff about connection because our goal when we're relating with one another, should be connection. Should be to get better connected, not any other goals that may, you may have. The reason I say that, I'll give you an example. Um, some of you may remember that um, my dad passed away a couple of years ago and he got quite sick before he passed away. And I am one of four children and one of my siblings lives overseas, one of my siblings is self, like removed himself from the situation, so he wasn't gonna be any help. And so then I'm left with my brother and myself. Now that brother happened to have just started a new business that was full on and dad got sick. And so I'm the youngest and I was like in charge really. And I had to go and see my dad and he wasn't very well and it was just a really awful time. Like if any of you have had a sick parent, you understand what it's like. But it was just really awful. And I remember texting my brother, the one brother that, you know, I thought would, you know, be there as well. And um, I remember texting him and I kept texting him. I was like a crazy woman texting. And I just felt really alone and disconnected in dealing with dad and his. But do you know what's... My brother then messaged me just saying, I'm really busy and I'm up a pole and I can't answer the phone and, you know, all the things. And I just stopped and I actually used a line from this book 
and that is, and I, and I, you know, sometimes when you don't know what you've got to say, just you just say stuff by route. It's okay. So I actually messaged him back and I said, my goal with you is connection. And it was nothing to do with dad or nothing to do with anything else that was going on. I was just actually letting him know. I am madly texting you and ringing you and asking you for help, but I'm actually wanting to connect with you and to not be alone in this. And I was astounded at his response. He just completely went, oh. you know, like I could kind of feel the sigh over the phone. And it didn't really change the circumstances for us because he was working and I was with dad. But it just, that, that situation could have gone one or two ways. And it went a good way because I said to him, my goal with you is connection. So next time your hashtag relationship goals should be connection, okay? It's not about anything else, just connection. So I want to talk to you this morning really quickly, and this is like a bit of a platform for the rest of the weeks, and that is powerless or powerful. There are basically two types of people we're talking about today, and that is powerless and powerful. And I want you, as I'm speaking and as we go through them, I want you just to look at what powerless or powerful people look like and see if you can see yourself or others in it. So, powerless people. Powerless people use the words, I can't, I have to, it's too hard, or I'll try. Now, I got stuck on I'll try, because I'm okay with I'll try, but then um, Danny Silk says, what if you're at the altar with your wedding vows, <laughs> and your partner says, I, I'll try, instead of I, I do, <laughs> or I will. Yeah, it kind of lands in a little bit there, hey? So, powerless people feel powerless to take responsibility for their actions. Their anxiety levels are high. They believe that most people and most things, including circumstances, are more powerful than they are. They need others to protect them, to make them happy, and to take responsibility for their lives. Next slide, Heath. Powerless people blame others for their mess. They don't acknowledge it has anything to do with their own choices. They're afraid of relationships. They often use triangulation. Now that's something we're gonna learn about in week four in conflict resolution, but it's just an unhealthy way of dealing with conflict. Um, and the best way to get you to work on my life is if I act miserably. So powerless people. Someone laughed over there. That's not funny. It's interesting. Okay, powerful people. Let's look at them. They are, this is interesting, they are not the most dominating person in the room. Usually, the people who are dominating and controlling of the room are not powerful people, but powerless people. They don't try to control others because it's not their job. They consciously and deliberately create the environment they want to live in. They are responsible, respectful, and loving. They always show respect, and it's a standard for how they want to be treated as well. They're not affected by others or their environment, and they're not susceptible to manipulation, charm, or threats. Yeah. Some people are taking notes, but you know what? We might offer notes. You're smiling out there. I hope that's good smiling. So, I want to, could you see yourself? Do you know what we often do is we see other people 
You're probably there going, that's the guy sitting next to me, totally. But I want you to see yourself. And you don't have to be a completely powerful person or a completely powerless person. There might be a mix in you and there's areas that you need to maybe regain your power in. Could you see yourself? Everywhere you go, there you are again. <laughs> that wasn't me, that was Danny Silk, and I just had to put that up there because I'm like, that's such a good line. Because <laughs> you can't get away from yourself. There you are. So I want to encourage you today. It's very short. Oh, actually, I do have to make one point. We do have a girls' soccer team, and we did win 3-0. That's good. The boys, however, didn't win. They, they lost 2-1, but gee, it was a good game. Like, it was a really tough fight. I just have to say that because Mark recorded that and then asked me this morning what the scores were. And I went, no, we didn't win. He goes, oh, oops. They already recorded that the boys won as well. Anyway. What happened, Jeremy? Okay. Nothing. All right. So, sorry, back to the point. So, everywhere you go, there you are. I just want to encourage you, if you saw yourself there in any of the powerless attributes, it's, and sometimes I pick people up on it, you know when you say, oh, I have to go visit this sick person, I'm like, you have to, do you have to? Like, when we start that language, we're actually, we're actually saying, I don't want to, or I don't get to, but I have to, there's some, something going on there. Yeah, so, I had another example, but I won't actually, you know, I might actually share that, okay, ah, another way, ha ha ha, keeping you all in suspense. So, powerful people, when you encounter people who are not powerful, so to the passive person, what are you going to do about it? Because often passive people will want you to solve their problems. But when we put it back on them, we're saying to them, you are powerful and you have the ability to do something about your situation. To the aggressive person, I can only talk to you when you decide to be respectful. That's a hard one because normally that would make them more angry, I would think. <laughs> but it's a good boundary to to be saying, I will have this conversation with you, you're affirming, you will have the conversation when they're willing to be respectful. And to the passive-aggressive, the double whammo combo, we can talk later when you choose to be responsible and tell me what is really going on. Instead of the whole, what's wrong with you? Nothing, nothing wrong. Like you care, like, do you know what I mean? All those things, yeah, so, I just want to encourage you in that. I think I've said encourage a few times because I really do want to encourage you. We are built for great relationships, but we don't always have the tools. And we also have brokenness in our lives because we are human beings. But we can also believe something about ourselves that is just not true. Mark shared before that God gave us a spirit of power and love and self-control, or power, love, and a sound mind. God has given us the ability, but sometimes we can believe a lie that we are not powerful. We are not in control of our own lives. We're actually controlled by whatever's happening around us or our circumstances or other people or 
our emotions even. But we have been given the ability to have self-control and power over our own lives. So I want you to, to take a moment. Why don't we actually stand real quick? And we're just going to take a moment and just say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you've made me a powerful person in you. And I ask God right now that you would reveal to me any lie that I am believing that is having me feel less than powerful, less than that full powerfulness. Just reveal it to me now, Lord. What lie am I believing? If you've heard a whisper, if you've heard something or felt something or thought something that maybe is a wrong foundation, just just like reject it, disagree with it. That's actually not true. And then ask God to replace it with his truth about who you are, about your life, about your the power that he's given you. given us the ability to have self-control. And we thank you, God, that we can live in that fullness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can live in that space. In your mighty name, God. Amen. All right. So that's it for week one. Just going to tell you the next week, next two weeks we're doing boundaries because that needs to be two weeks. You can't sit down. Sorry? If you say so. Yeah, it definitely needs to be two weeks. This is a really good subject, topic. And then the next week we're doing conflict resolution. Thank you. And we that's the gift week. So if you want to come and get a free gift, that's the week. And then the last week is offence. Thanks for joining us and we're looking forward to the rest of this series.